This is the Simi Sarah Show On Demand. Subscribe now on iTunes. Listen to the show each weekday 10 to 2 on 980 CKNW and through the Radio Player app. Talk about the Trans Mountain Expansion Pipeline Project now, so controversial in our province. Check out what the province of Alberta is doing next door. They want British Columbia to get on board with this pipeline expansion. They're mad as hell at BC Premier John Horgan. So what are they doing about it? They're spending over a million dollars of taxpayers' money there in Alberta to put up a bunch of billboards right here in B.C. So there's over 30 billboards going up all around the Lower Mainland. There's also newspaper ads, radio ads, uh, social media ads, all pointing out the high gas prices we're paying here in Metro Vancouver and going after Horgan saying, this guy, if you want cheaper gas prices, you better get on board and support this pipeline. That's an interesting political tactic here by one province going after another. Let's talk about this now with a great panel we've assembled for you. Stuart Muir is from Resource Works. He supports the pipeline. Hi, Stuart. Hey, Mike. Thanks for coming on. Peter McCartney is from the Wilderness Committee. He's opposed to the pipeline. Hi, Peter. Hi, thanks for having me. Thanks for coming on, guys. Peter, let me go to you first. What do you think of this billboard campaign by Alberta? Well, I think it's pretty ridiculous that they're linking this to gas prices. I think British Columbians are smarter than that. They know that this is almost entirely an export pipeline. So the expansion would increase uh, by 590,000 barrels a day. 540,000 barrels of those per day are diluted bitumen 100% for export. And the extra 50,000 could be any of the three. But currently, uh, diluted bitumen is going through that pipeline. It's, it's a batched system. And so there's no guarantee that those 50,000 barrels will even lower gas prices. In but couldn't they, couldn't they potentially get some refined fuel in an expanded pipeline from Alberta, too? And, and even Horgan has admitted that a lack of a constricted fuel supply here in B.C. is one of the reasons we got high prices. That's just not on the table at this point. That 50,000 barrels a day, that much smaller piece, could have some refined products go through it. But it's not going to make a significant difference at the pump for people. Stuart Muir, your thoughts? Well, 50,000 barrels a day, and I think Peter's right about that that figure. Uh, we don't know exactly what its true potential is because that's, I think, going to be politics and business. It's a mixture of that to negotiate it. Um, it. It would be equal to the Parkland refinery. That's how much that refinery. Um, what are the chances of a new refinery being built anywhere in Metro Vancouver? Zero. So it's like, you know, if that extra 50,000 capacity was to be purposed for refined fuels, and I agree with Peter, we don't know right now whether it will be or could be well it certainly physically could be um i'm reading these billboards how high will gas prices go it's provocation to premier horgan they're they're mowing his grass here's the energy minister of alberta coming to uh premier horgan's turf to make this this pronouncement i wonder if it isn't a bit of an olive branch to say look come to the table let's talk about this it's going to be a very complicated business arrangement to guarantee that that fifty thousand barrels a day could be purposed for gasoline so you think like local drivers if they if they sat down at a bargaining table and started talking turkey on this kind of stuff why couldn't they perhaps even come up with a deal saying like okay in return for us supporting this pipeline expansion we want to make darn sure that we're going to get more refined fuel in that pipeline so we get some cheaper gas for people i mean isn't isn't that something an option Stuart? you think they could put on the table yeah, there's a lot of caution in any pronouncements by anyone. There's a, you'll have a hard time getting anyone to commit to anything at this point, but I think that would be a very smart thing to do, bring them together. 
Peter, do you think that's possible or realistic? Or like like you said, I mean, nobody's disputing this is an largely an export project. I mean, even the pipeline backers admit that. Yeah, I don't think their shippers would be very happy about it because uh, mm. they they are here to make money by shipping our res- raw resources off to refineries where it's cheaper to to refine it. And so yeah. I think you know that that small capacity that we're talking about, and again, that's a very small amount of the actual pipeline project and expansion. Um, I think capitalism is going to do as it does, and we are going to see that be uh, diluted bitumen if it's more. Um, if, it, if there's more profit in it for these companies. Okay, speaking to Peter McCartney from the Wilderness Committee, Stuart Muir, Resource Works. Peter, why are you opposed to this pipeline project? Um, I mean, there's the risk of a catastrophic oil spill off the coast, the impacts on indigenous communities, but really for us, this is about enabling a 20% expansion of the emissions from the tar sands at a time when we're already seeing smoke in our skies in Metro Vancouver. Um, we're in a climate emergency here. Canada is likely this week to declare a climate emergency. And you don't respond to a climate emergency by throwing more fuel on the fire. Um, it's time. We, we have to uh, reduce our emissions, and we can't do that while growing our most polluting sector. Stuart Muir, what do you say to that? Well, we're certainly hearing about climate emergency and, and the, the real fact of climate change. But we're also hearing about, a, I guess, a market access crisis. We're not able to get our goods to market. Right now, we've had just today's news, two consecutive extremely low growth quarters. If, if it was negative two quarters in a row, that would be a technical recession. And the only reason we're not in that recession is because of growth in oil exports revenue. And that's what's saving Canada's bacon. Um, that's a fact, not a fact everyone will be in love with. And, and right now, the, there will be no growth in upstream emissions from finishing the Trans Mountain expansion. That's because we're already producing that oil. We're just giving it away for less than it's worth to, you, to the U.S. So yeah. as long as we can satisfy the safety concerns and get this to market, then we will just simply what? be able to level up. What about the risk of a spill? I mean, if this stuff went into the water, it'd be catastrophic. Yeah, it, w- it would be. And the there's no 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 one will tell you that it's okay if that happens. There is no, uh, I think, lack of commitment to true economic environmental balance on this. Since three years ago, when the project was first approved, there has been so much work being done. I think it's happened in sort of drips and drabs. Maybe it's hard to see the extent of what's happened. I follow that very closely. And I think on June 18th, there's going to be whether or not the decision is one way or the other, there's supposed yeah. to be a demonstration by the Marine spill response team. It's really incredible what they brought together, in my opinion. And I think that's uh, a part of this evolving process that we okay. should pay attention to. Okay, Peter, do you, do you, does it give you any comfort at all that at the same time the Trudeau government's talking about expanding this pipeline, they're also talking about beef, beefing up spill response measures and safety measures to ensure that it, the stuff doesn't spill, and if it does, they can respond to it quickly. Um, let's be clear here. I mean, it does not give me any comfort to know that a successful cleanup of an oil spill is around 15%. I don't, there is no classroom in the country where a 15% grade would be acceptable. Um, we know that there's no way, they just don't know how to clean up diluted bitumen when it weathers and sinks into the water column. And so, you know, all this uh, this window dressing of uh, running drills, that's not going to actually protect anybody. It's not going to protect our communities or our ecosystems from a from an oil spill. And all it takes is one bad day, um, and and we have permanent damage here in uh, in the coast that we Peter, rely on so much. Peter, would you be willing to acknowledge that 
even though every, everyone can see evidence of climate change all around us, like you said, there's there's smoke in the sky over Vancouver today. But we all know that the world is not going to wean itself of off of fossil fuels overnight. That it's going to be a transition over many years. I mean, whether we build this pipeline or not, there is still going to be burning of fossil fuels, and it's just it's not going to stop immediately. Why not sell our 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 bitumen, our fuel on the world market, and get the best price we can for it as the world transitions to to getting off of fossil fuels? Well, we know that that transition has to be made very rapidly. It's not going to happen tomorrow. Um, but the IPCC tells us we have to cut emissions in half over 10 years. Uh, and you don't build a pipeline for 10 years. These things have a lifetime of 50, 60 years. That pipeline that's in the ground right now was built in 1953. And so right. by building this project, you're locking us into decades more of some of the most polluting oil on Earth um, at a time when the world is actively trying to get off of our product. And I don't okay. think that's a responsible thing to do economically or environmentally. Stuart, what do you say to that? Yeah, well, it's a big transition. The, the length of it, I think, is one of the, the debatable issues. How long can it take or will it take? I was just looking at New Stats Canada data. I mean, we're using uh, 5% more total energy, most of which comes from fossil fuels year over year. We're exporting more. We're importing more energy. We're consuming more energy on all metrics. There's more and more energy in our lives. Right now, it's 600 calories a second is what, on average, people are using. That's a Big Mac uh, amount of energy that we're using in this incredibly energy-intensive civilization we've built. How do we ensure we're always improving it? You know, our, our oil sands are, are much abused, but I do think that the 30% decrease in GHG intensity over the last decade that has been achieved in many of the major producers in the Alberta okay. oil sands is a huge accomplishment. Star 9898 on your cell. Stuart Muir and Peter McCartney are here. John in the open line. Hi. Hey. Yeah, I, I have a problem with, with the whole climate change debate. Every, every All these policies are being pushed forward based on climate change. I think we all care about the environment, but they still have not put forth any numbers that will say definitely or even close to um, what, what, will, what the emissions will do to, to climate if we cut it back. They're, they're taxing the hell out of us, and they haven't given us any numbers that will say how much it will even fix it, or if it will at all. Okay, I would uh, rather uh, see them take, I would rather yeah. see them take a, part of, uh, a part of the profits from, from oil production, the taxes that are already on our gas, and put it towards development of clean energy as opposed to just taking more and more of a tax. Okay, let's get Peter McCartney on that. Peter, what do you say to that? Well, um, you know, the science of climate change is very settled. Uh, we know that we are experiencing more fires, more floods because of the carbon dioxide that we're putting into the atmosphere. And the truth is, you know, it's, uh, it's a global system, obviously, but what we're going to have to get to zero and we're going to have to get to zero by the middle of the century in order to avert the worst of catastrophic climate change, which we're only beginning to see now. And so we have we have to do that. This isn't an option. It's not. Um, what do you mean? Get to, what do you mean? Get to zero? We we have to reach zero carbon emissions or net zero anyway, where That's we're uh, we're at a balance. We're not putting more CO two into the atmosphere every day. And so yes, you know Canada's contribution. Um, at least from the emissions that are within our country, is small on the world stage. But every single country is going to have to do this. And so we might as well be first. We might as well lead our way into that economy. 
Um, and otherwise, we're we're kind of betting it all on on red. Just as the board is turning black, we're uh, we're setting ourselves up to fail. Let's go to Dave on the open line. Hi, Dave. I just want to know how come the the, the wilderness committee guy had never protest coal and never protest anything else. And how much money do they get from the American oil producers to stop Alberta bitumen from transport? And when's the last right. time that we've ever had an oil spill? Peter. Um, well, I would say, uh, you know, 97% of our funding comes from folks just like you and I. We don't get any uh, funding from these uh, American foundations. And then we were, we've been protesting the Kinder Morgan pipeline for nine years. We also, um, we largely won the fight against coal here in the lower mainland. Uh, Fraser Surrey Docks and Neptune were both planning to expand. Uh, the Wilderness Committee was heavily involved in the fight to stop both of those expansions, yeah. and they have not moved forward. And so, um, you know, people that point to this as something that, well, why aren't you doing this? I, we did, and we were, yeah. and uh, and coal capacity is being cut back at West Shore Terminals. Yeah, and- no, I, I remember the Wilderness Committee being very outspoken on coal. Let's go to Steve. Hi, Steve. Hey, how you doing? Good. Go ahead. Good. Hey, so I'm, I'm kind of scratching my head here because, uh, look, first of all, nobody likes to be bullied. And, and the, the whole process of the Alberta government, right from the NDP when they were in to now, is just let us do it, like trust us or whatever. Well, you know what? When there is an oil spill off the coast, all those people that come from Alberta to vacation here are going to be terribly disappointed. So I think, to me, to make it simple, it seems like it's all about risk management. I mean, it's going to double the amount of, uh, of um, oil tankers that are leaving the port of Vancouver. And is it is the plan... To bring bitumen into Vancouver, or is it plan the plan to bring refined oil into or gasoline or lar- whatever? Or largely, product? largely bitumen. But let me go to Stuart Muir from Resource Works. Stuart, do you think Alberta is being bullies here? Well, they have a need that they share with all of Canada to realize the, the highest value for these non-renewable resources, uh, crude oil, uh, diluted bitumen in particular. It's being given away at bargain basement prices. All Canadians lose. I was in the airport in Calgary last week. There was a young man there coming back, obviously, from his job in the oil sands. I could tell from the logo on his backpack. He was asleep in his chair. They worked so hard up there. BC is full of families. I meet them all over the place who are reliant on that. This is not an Alberta thing. It's a Canadian problem. And mm. as for the safety of it, you know, right now, uh, we, we see the Americans and their, their five refineries in Puget Sound. Uh, no one is complaining about all of the oil tankers that go back and forth there every day. That's a hazard, too. It's one that's managed. Uh, already, we're sending uh, bitumen to China. Not very many ships, but some proving that it can be done and there's a market, but also proving that it's being done safely. No one even notices. Those ships have gone by. No one even knows it's in there. It's done safely. Do you know what? The tragedy here is that we will lose the enhanced safety capacity being provided by the expansion uh, business model to make it even safer if we okay. you know, don't go ahead. That's one okay. of the problems. We just got one minute left. Peter, do you want to respond to that? And Stuart says there's already oil tankers in the water there and nobody notices and it's all being done safely. I'm sure you guys know or have noticed. We've noticed, yeah. yeah. I was going to say, <laughs> we, had, we had an online um, tool that sent out a, an alert message to people every time one of those tankers passed underneath the Lionsgate Bridge and it was incredibly popular. Uh, unfortunately, we've had to be distracted by fighting the expansion um, over the last few years, but people are okay. very concerned about the oil already going through there. 
Okay, thank you guys for a good panel. I appreciate both of you being here. Thanks for your time. Stuart Muir is with Resource Works. Peter McCartney is with the Wilderness Committee.